Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Art of Money podcast, where I share honest conversations about how money influences our personal experiences, beliefs, and relationships. Infusing this taboo subject with a loving dose of dark chocolate and inspiring encouragement. I am Barry Tesler, a financial therapist, author, and creator of The Art of Money, which is my flagship program, year-long money school, and global community. Integrating money healing, money practices, and money maps, The Art of Money is my holistic framework blending therapeutic body-based practices with the real life tools you need to create healthy, sustainable change in your relationship with money. So you can say goodbye to that dusty old budget and hello to healing your money life. Learn more on my website, barrytesler.com. For now, grab something to sip on, get comfy, and tune in to today's episode of the Art of Money podcast. Welcome everyone to the Art of Money community. And today I have the honor of being able to interview again. It's been a while, but to have the honor of interviewing Jaquette Timmons. And I'm going to read her bio and then officially welcome her. So Jaquette Timmons is a financial behaviorist. She has now experienced three stock market crashes, 1987, 2008, and now 2020. She has an MBA in finance and has spent more than two decades working exclusively on the human side of money, helping smart, curious, driven people from all professions, therapists, doctors, photographers, coaches, strategists, designers, engineers, educators, agency owners, authors, and lawyers, and so on, who work either as entrepreneurs or employees, answer the question, what should I do with my money? She also designs and delivers workshops and keynotes and participates in panels for corporations, nonprofits, and conferences that explore a variety of money topics. Jaquette provides answers to the money questions that have been nagging you for weeks, sometimes years. She serves as a sounding board to help you gain insight and clarity you wouldn't achieve on your own because you're not likely to ask yourself the question she will. In addition to her MBA in finance, she has an undergrad in marketing from a design school. I didn't know this. And this combination that helps her bring a designer's mindset to you and your situation by blending creativity analysis and empathy. She helps you align how you create, manage, and finance your goals with the dynamics of the new economy. So as I mentioned, I have had the honor of the inner, excuse me. So as I mentioned, I have had the honor of interviewing Jaquette many years ago. The topic was couples and money and how to communicate better and budgeting. And we have had um, that interview inside the Art of Money program for many years, the students love it. I've also had the honor of breaking bread with her in New York City last year over wine and what I remember, steak frites and nonstop amazing conversation. I've been referring to Jaquette for so many years now, and I'm so excited to have her expertise and, and wisdom. Jaquette, thank you so much for being here. Oh my goodness, Barry. Thank you so much for having me. It's really, really delight. And uh, as soon as you mentioned our little outing, I was like, oh my God, yes. We sat at the bar, we ate, we had a few cocktails. It was quite fun. <laughs> it was wonderful. I remember exactly where we were sitting. Mm -hmm. You were on the left, I was on your right. Yes. The first time I realized we were exact same height which <laughs> yes. me to no end we've known each other for years and it was, it was a wonderful wonderful evening it was it was indeed so thank you for that evening and thank you for having me back today yeah thank you so i i want to begin by you sharing just a little snapshot of your life right now where are you living what's going on what time are we in let's begin there I live in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, 
we are having this conversation in August. And while we are still in some degree of quarantine, it's not as intense as it was in March, April, May, and June. So as things, you know, outside begin to feel lighter, uh, things overall begin to feel lighter. So um, I think we're in a really, really good space. And in New York City and New York State, I would say have done a really, really great job of getting as good of a handle on this uh, disease as possible and really helping to curb the spread of it. And now it's just a matter of continuing to adjust to the adjustments because I think, you know, in the beginning, I think there was this idea that we were going to quote unquote, get back to normal. And I think what this moment in time is really inviting us to do is a question, well, what does get back to normal mean? And then B, what is a new normal going to be? Because there's how life was on many, many different levels will not be how it is moving forward. It's not that way now. And I think people are beginning to finally let go of the attachment to this is going to pass and we'll get back to life as it was before. And I think more people are open to, well, what's life going to be like moving forward? So that's the energy that I'm feeling over here in Brooklyn, New York. Love it. And I, I'd love to move into just on a personal level, what has been changing for you? On a, you know, on a very personal level, what new questions have you had to ask? Are you asking? How is your work changing? Because I knew you as someone who traveled a lot, you know, designed and created a lot of talks and presentations for, as, as I said, nonprofits, companies, corporations. Um, that was one of the main ways that you provided your, you know, brand of financial education. And we have what's shifting for you. You also have always had private clients. So share what's happened. You're at home. Yeah, you're at home and doing your work now. Well, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've worked from home, from home for many years. So that transition wasn't huge, <laughs> um, but you know, your, to your point, my business, um, there are three main pillars to my business. There is the coaching that I do mostly with entrepreneurs and it's either with their personal finances or doing business coaching in addition to personal finance coaching. So that's one arm. The second arm, as you mentioned, is, you know, a for hire speaker for corporations, law firms, conferences, nonprofits, et cetera. And then I also host events, a dinner series and a slew of pricing experiences. And those last two, (laughs) those are all or were all anyway in person. And, you know, to, to give a huge contrast, 2018 I was on the road every single week from September through the first week of December, except for a 10-day period. So that's what my travel schedule, that's the travel schedule that I am accustomed to. Um, And on March 12th, you know, all of that changed. (laughs) In fact, I was supposed to be leaving on March 15th to go speak at a conference. And then of course, all of that was shut down. And so for me, when people ask me, how are you doing? And I say that I'm fantastic. That fantastic is really coming from a deep space of gratitude because on March 12th, I was like, holy crap, what am I going to (laughs) do? Because, you know, there's always a horse race from year to year in terms of whether coaching is going to contribute the most to my bottom line or speaking is going to contribute the most to my bottom line. So for me, I am on, on March 12th, freaking out just a tad bit, wondering what is going to happen and, you know, realizing that while some people, maybe they were just thinking positively, I don't know, but while some people were thinking, yeah, we'll be back and things will be normal in June, I was like, Mm-mm. we are not doing anything in person until next year. And 
when you hear of, you know, some large corporations saying that they're not even bringing their employees back into offices until August 2021, I think that just really puts a pin on just how dramatically things have changed. And so in terms of my business, on March 12th, I was very, very nervous (laughs) about what that impact would ultimately be. But when you talk about shifts, you know, one of the great things is my pricing talks, which is something that I would do either at conferences or it was one of, you know, the events that I would host myself. Um, And I, I gladly share her name because I am just so grateful for her. But Tara Newman of the Bold Leadership Revolution, she reached out to me and she said, hey, you know, my mastermind was supposed to be in another country and now we can't do that. And so it's going to be a virtual experience. And I know my people could use, you know, what you have to share when it comes to pricing. And oh, by the way, I know your speaking arm has just taken a huge hit. So what do you say? And um, what was beautiful is that presenting the pricing workshop inside her mastermind actually led to other masterminds. And so from May through August, I've presented it inside six other masterminds. And what's awesome about that are a few things. One, even though I know a lot of people who provide masterminds, it never occurred to me to present what I offer inside. And so that has opened up a whole new vertical for me that I'm really, really curious about and fascinated with seeing how does that grow and, and, and to what extent in 2021. And you know, one of the things that I always tell my clients, whether they're coaching clients or people that attend the pricing experience, is that whatever it is that you offer, it has multiple jobs. It has the job inside the life of with whomever you are working. Is it helping them to do something, have something, be something? But then it also has a job in terms of what is its role in your business? And so now that I've discovered this new vertical, if you will, and it has panned out in such a way that my revenue, when I did my you know quarter two review, my year to date revenue 2020 versus 2019 was up. 47%, which is huge given the fact that I wasn't getting any of the larger checks from my corporate speaking engagement. So that was like, whoa. (laughs) So now it's like, okay, I can give those, those speaking engagements a different job and I can give, you know, doing these pricing workshops inside masterminds, a different job. So I would say that that's the, the, the major shift that's happened in my work since March. So I love it. You know, real talk around, you had a freak out moment. I'm sure there's more to that, right? You know, of like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? And then, you know, you've been around, you're seasoned, you have a community, you have tons of colleagues, you've been at this for a long time and Mm -hmm. people know and love you and you were presented with a creative option that allowed you to see, oh, I, I can pivot into doing this more um, yes. in this area. And yes. then you did that quickly. Um, and that's something you can do as a business owner who's been around for a long time, had someone reach out to you and you just, you know, you, you moved into that and it's, and it's working, which is so wonderful to hear because I definitely thought of you in March and April. Oh, thank was, you. <laughs> okay. Okay. But so I love hearing this story. And, you know, you, the freak out was the unknown was I, we haven't been here before, right? You, I know that you trust and will trust that you'll find creative solutions, but, you know, was that a few day freak out? Was that a week? When did you get presented with the mastermind invitation? How soon? It was in March. I don't recall the exact date, but it was in March. So it wasn't that far after because everybody was in a moment of pivoting. (laughs) So again, I don't know the precise date, but I know it was in March. Um, And I'm just thinking about the timing because, you know, we did the contract in April and then we did the event in in May. So it was pretty early on in the process, the, the process of, you know, COVID unfolding. 
One more question about that time. So what did you do to um, keep yourself calm? And maybe you weren't calm and that's okay too. You know, I know that you run. Were you, uh, yeah, what were you doing to keep yourself calm until things started to shift into a new reality of how you could, you know, shift your, your offering in just a little way and that it worked? What did you do? I- so I don't, I don't know if it necessarily kept me calm as much as it kept me focused. And I do think that in this instance, there is a difference between the two. So absolutely running, <laughs> that's always my savior. Um, that saved me, uh, you know, also meditating and, and journaling that also saved me. And I'll be, you know, transparent back in August, my singular goal was I don't want to dip into savings. So what is it, you know, a question that I have started asking myself probably within the last two or three years, maybe it's longer, but it just feels like the need for it has been more in the last two or three years is the question of where can I be more resourceful? And so every day I would ask myself that question, where can I be more resourceful? How can I be more resourceful? And again, the singular goal I had was I do not want to tap into my savings. And I think the practical piece of that question and the larger piece of the where can I be more resourceful question really kind of created the space for me to A, be open to different opportunities because so many things came out of the woodwork that were not on my radar in January. Um, And so you know, being open to those, paying attention so that when those opportunities were presented, not only was I prepared, but I was ready. And so I think in terms of being calm, the calmness came from focus and taking action. I love this so much. And I love that you're clarifying it wasn't necessarily calm. It was focus and it was action. And I also love that you're naming, clarifying for us a process that I do all the time too, in challenging moments or unknown moments is one, feel the feelings, right? Have the feelings, Mm -hmm. Um, but then two, go into asking new questions, Um, Mm -hmm. a a question or questions. And so Mm -hmm. this question of where can I be more resourceful, um, you, you, you know, you name that question, you ask it. And I love that you were doing that every day and then listening and listening and listening and being presented, um, with new options that you never saw before. And you were seeking them out. You were asking. Mm -hmm. Um, so I love questions. I love living questions. And I love that you also had a very clear goal of how can you be more resourceful? Where can you be? That's a living question. And the goal was to not dip into savings. So I just really want to highlight both of those things for everyone listening. Um, That that's what I do too in challenging moments or stuck moments or money riddles or um, I first feel all the feelings because there's always a lot. And then I move into the questions, which is a version of, you know, asking a question, living it and taking action. Yeah. Yeah, and totally. support. Okay. And then, okay. So love all of that. Um, the reason I reached out to you this time is because I did see you teaching about pricing all over mm-hmm. the place. And I was so excited to, you know, hear more about the questions you ask there and the strategies you use. And I'll just share on a personal level last year, um, this gig did not happen because of Uh, the pandemic and COVID, but uh, a company, a bank out of Singapore had reached out to me saying they wanted to bring financial therapy to Singapore. And um, I, I had no idea how to charge for a potential project like this. And I remember reaching out to you um, for some consulting and you were so clear, um, which you gave me such good advice. And I won't go into all of that because it's, it's, you know, it's off the table Mm -hmm. for now. Um, But, you know, I just, this is, this is one of your, you know, expertise. This is one of the places that you love to talk about so much. So let's start there. Why do you love to talk about pricing and teach about pricing so much? And then we'll get into more of your methodology around it. So I think part of it is because 
regardless of how long you've been in business, the type of business that you have or wherever you fall on the revenue spectrum, pricing ends up being the backbone of every business. And it is that lever that can truly make the difference between setting the person behind the business up to either live and work comfortably, however comfortably is defined by them, versus being in a position where they are struggling and constantly worrying about money. And even though it is a lever that comes with that degree of power, I think it's also the thing that people struggle with a lot. And they struggle with it a lot. Some of it is because of the financial aspects that go into one's methodology of pricing, but also because, you know, it's very emotional. And I think that for a lot of people, the way that they have been coached, conditioned, um, taught to approach pricing is, is, is as if it is a mathematical problem to be solved. So you take A, you add it to B, maybe certain circumstances, you include C, and then you got a price. Well, the problem with that approach, though, is that it leaves out the fact that everybody reacts to money emotionally, whether it's you setting the price or the person that's buying the product, service, or program for you, they also react to it emotionally. And so if we react to money emotionally, then we're also going to react to pricing emotionally. And I realized that, you know, in the course of my coaching work, I was actually helping people Yes, come up with a precise number, but come at it by taking a look at, in addition to the financial piece, the emotional aspects of it and the personal aspects of money too. So I think it was really more me recognizing that I had been doing the work for a really, really long time, but I hadn't yet really tapped into the power of it. And so it was me like really recognizing the power of it and just kind of extracting it out of what I include organically in coaching relationships and then just presenting that piece. I love it. You're speaking my language. You know, <laughs> if money is emotional, then of course, pricing is emotional, both for the person coming up with the fees and the person, your client that you're presenting them to. Absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 and I always remind people too, you know, for those people that might say, oh, well, you know, the brand manager at Procter & Gamble, he's not, or she's not thinking about money emotionally. Well, I would disagree. <laughs> they may not be bringing their own personal stuff with money into the equation, but you best believe that brand manager that's on Tide or whatever other product that P&G makes, they are thinking about the emotions of the customer. And that is absolutely playing a role in how they price. Yeah. So how do you support people through the emotional side of pricing? And do you do that first? Is that what I'm hearing? Or do you get to the numbers first and do, and you know, yes, there is an equation. So talk about that, but you know, what do you do first or do they just of course work together? Well, I always actually start with the personal because I am of the belief that your business is not just for your clients <laughs> your business is also for you. And if you, you know, want to ensure that your business is indeed taking care of you and, and setting you up personally to be in a, a healthy financial position, then we've got to first start with personally, what is it that you want money to do for you? So we first start there, interestingly enough, whether it's in a coaching engagement or a pricing workshop, a pricing retreat, a VIP day. We actually don't get to the numbers until after we talk about your personal numbers, because then it becomes a question of, is your current pricing, is your current business model, is your current sales process, if you change nothing about it, would it help you to fulfill your personal financial vision? And for a lot of people, the answer to that is no. And if somebody does surprise me and say yes, then the question becomes, well, how long will it take? And are you okay with 
the length of time. So we actually first start with what is it that you want money to do for you personally? And then that leads into, you know, the business aspect of it. And, and so just to just be really clear for me, the way that I approach pricing it's from three sides, the financial, the emotional, and the personal. But I think the way that you wrap your arms around those three sides is that you first look at your relationship with money, you look at your relationship with yourself, with your business, and then with the people that you serve, your clients, your customers, and your prospects. All of that contributes to the price that you either quote verbally, quote in an email, put in a proposal, or have published on your website. Excellent. So just to clarify clarify it even further, understanding what your personal financial house needs, wants, desires are at this phase of life. So really getting in there with what phase of life are you in? Um, Are you living your basic, you know, I do the basic needs, comfortable and ultimate. I kind of break it down that way, but, and it's, you know, that's just, Mm -hmm. but just getting people really in touch with um, what phase of life they're in and Um, like, yeah, are they, do they want to be living their comfortable lifestyle? What are the expenses that go with that? What is life look? What does lifestyle look like? And what are the actual numbers? And, and really say, what, what am I missing in there? Um, you're not missing anything. You know, I, I think it is, you know, we may have different frameworks for how you get at it, but at the end of the day, it is, what is it that you need right now? And then what is it that you want in the future? Because it's also not just about setting you up to survive and to survive today, but it's about surviving and thriving today and in the future. And are you integrating your future needs? Are you integrating how you, are you integrating your future needs into how you price? Okay. So I love that. So very simple. What do you need now? You know, what phase of life are you in now? What are your needs now? And that includes like all the basic stuff, but a lot of the comfortable too. I hear really clearly, you don't want people just at basic needs. You want them thriving. Right. You, that's, yes, that is some, some bottom line stuff for you. Um, yes. And yeah. And so but you're helping people understand their needs and then really their wants of where they want to go in the future. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and do you know that, do you notice that people sometimes have a really hard time thinking about the future? Some people, it comes more naturally for some, it's harder to think or plan or imagine the future. Do you, do you experience that? Absolutely. And I think it comes from, a a tendency to want to be certain about things as opposed to prioritizing clarity. So, I mean, you're familiar with the financial wheel exercise. I have everybody do that. And it's always fascinating to see people struggle with being given a magic wand and, you know, and asking them, all right, you've got this magic wand. Tell me how much do you want to save in these different time periods? And it's really fascinating to see people struggle with that. And I think part of the reason for the struggle is because they want to be certain about the number that they're writing down and, and are attaching to a particular time frame. And my whole thing is always it's better to have a number and be wrong than to not have a number at all. And the clarity comes from at least putting something out there because at least that gives you something to work toward and to figure out and, and to help you map out, well, how do I get from the left side of this line to the right side of the line? So, okay. So share a little bit more about how we go from the personal to the emotional financial part of it, but as we've clarified, you have to know your numbers. You have to know what you need right now in your personal reality, where you're going, where you want to be going, and say more about how that helps determine how you come up with your fees and pricing structure and business structure, business model structure too, or more is that down the road? Like, do you have a lot? I'm sure there's so much more in the pricing thing that we need to talk about. Well, it absolutely is connected to business model because, but, but that's really like, how do you want to work? Okay. And the reason why that's connected to pricing is because, you know, you might need to charge a higher price if you want to work with fewer people than you would if you are open and willing to working with a lot more people. So that's where the tweaking of the, um, 
the business model comes into place. But, you know, as I mentioned before, you know, money is never just about money. Pricing is never just about pricing. And so one of the things that I highlight when we are having the the workshop or just a conversation around it is this idea that, you know, your price is a reflection of your relationship with money in general. It's a reflection of your relationship with yourself the relationship that you have with your business, and again, the people that you either serve or you want to serve. And so here's an example. When I say, you know, it's a, re- it's a reflection of the relationship that you have with yourself, I always ask people to think of the five people that they spend the most time with. And, you know, what's the nature of that relationship? How do those relationships energize you and, and deplete you of energy? And then I'll ask them, well, what about the five people that are hanging out, running around in your head, right? So that expands it because the five people that you spend the most time with might just be your family members, if they live with you, or if you, you know, when my mother was alive, I talked with her every day. We didn't live in the same place, but we talked every day. So that would have been someone that I spent the most time with. But, you know, whether you live with them or you are in constant communication with them via phone, FaceTime or Zoom, but then when you talk about, the five people that are running around taking up mental space, that expands the pool because it can be people that you don't know at all. It can be people that you know, but you're no longer on speaking terms. It can be people that are no longer living. Like it really expands that pool. But I, again, I ask them, who are those people? What's the relationship? How do they energize you and how do they deplete you? And some people get it, you know, fairly quickly and others don't. And so to kind of get people to see why that is an important area to explore is I will share an example of, you know, a client who for all intents purposes, in my opinion, anyway, did really well when she came to me, her business was doing about $2 million, but it actually could have been doing more. And why wasn't it doing more? Because she wasn't charging more. And why wasn't she charging more? We had to unpack a whole bunch of things for that. But one of the things that we, you know, unpacked in that process was she, her family was all about education, immigrant family, all about education. And so she did all all of the right things. Ivy undergrad, Ivy grad, major consulting firm in her, you know, on her CV, started her own firm. And now when you think about how much money she is making each year, she's now the rich person that her family always said, don't be like those rich people. Mm -hmm. So how do you reconcile this, you know, voice in the back of your head that on one level is saying, yeah, you know, this is fantastic. You've got your own business and you're doing this and you're doing that. And, you know, celebrate that $2 million. And then the other flip side of that is, but you don't want to be like the person your parents always said, don't be like that. That's going to show up in your pricing, whether you want to recognize it or not. And so my whole thing is, it's not about beating yourself up for what you discover, but recognizing the impact and asking yourself the question, do you want to give that story that power or do you want to reclaim it and do something different? So it's amazing. I'm already having insights, not by the five people that I'm the closest to, you know, the five people who are running around in my head, (laughs) you know, and, and not just who they are or if they're still in my life physically or not, or are they someone I just compare myself to, but all the money stories of each Mm -hmm. of these people or the story I tell about them. And then how is that impacting how I am pricing or priced or, you know, mm-hmm. all of it right now. Okay. Um, insights. I'll, I'll, I'll do work on my own <laughs> um, and share with you another day, but that is powerful. That is an, a very powerful exercise. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And that's understanding more of, you know, the, what are the emotions? What are the money stories we're telling um, which ones are serving us what we want to continue. That's, you know, do, is there more work? I'm sure there's so much more work to be done there. Um, you, tell us where you want to go next as far as like taking us down this path of personal, some emotional work, and then moving into actual literal pricing. Do you want to talk more about your strategies around that? 
where do you want to go? Yeah, sure. I don't, I don't mind. I, I think, you know, I just really want to emphasize for, for folks that your pricing is not just a number. <laughs> There's a whole lot tangled up in there. And the more you get curious about what those, you know, tangled webs are, <laughs> I think the better off that you will be. Um, I think the other thing is that, you know, and talking about, for example, your relationship with your business, kind of, you know, assessing, do you feel supported by your business? Um, and I ask people to rate, you know, a scale of zero to five. Do you, would you rate your business as five as being the highest, highly supporting you, um, somewhat supporting you or not at all? And what's the correlation, for example, between that and your revenue, if there is any? And so I think those are some of the things that I think is also important to explore. And then I think in terms of just like positioning, I always like to use the example because I really do. I love me a really good hamburger. And, you know, during the height of quarantine, you couldn't have, I don't, and I, and I don't make them at home. So there's that caveat. So, uh, it had been, what, almost six months since I had a hamburger. So I was really excited when we could at least go and sit outside and have one. But even if you're not someone that eats meat or you don't eat hamburgers, just think of whatever it is that you enjoy or that you were most looking forward to when we were deep in quarantine. And think about the 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 price spectrum that that item is available at. So for example... You know, you can get a hamburger at McDonald's drive-thru. You can get it at a diner. You can get it at a, a bistro or a pub, or you can get it at a steakhouse. And each of those are going to come with a different price point, And that price point is going to help level set your expectation around the quality of the beef, around the, you know, experience, the dining experience, whether you're going to have a white tablecloth or just a white napkin, right? And so the thing of it is, is if, and I may be dating myself here, if you think about Zagat's or open table, maybe that's a more contemporary example. If you go to them, what you will see by each restaurant is either a single dollar sign, $2 signs, $3 signs, or four. And each of those represents whether it was budget, standard, mid-range, or premium. And what I always ask people is, in your mind, where does your business fall on that spectrum? And not just what's the price point of the different things that you offer, because you might have different offers that are plotted in each of those different realms. But overall, what is the vision that you have or, or the way in which you see your business? And how does that compare how, to how other people see your business? Do they see you as the premium offer, as the mid-range, as the standard, or as the budget? And I don't know necessarily if people take stock of how their pricing communicates both to themselves and to the world outside where they are on that spectrum. I love that. Um, I have all these simple questions. You, you just go so much deeper and more thorough in them. Um, even in this restaurant, like the budget to, you know, the one star the, to the four star, right? Mm -hmm. So I would ask people who, you know, who do you want to be working with? What community? Um, what income level or what economic level do you want to be, you know, working in? Um, or can you have price points at a few different levels? And that's what you're just saying. But I love this metaphor. And there's no right or wrong. That's what I'm hearing. It's just where do you want to be at this phase of your life and your business? Also personally, where do you like those numbers need may need you to increase your prices or just keep your prices the same, but have more people. Right. 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 And I, and I also think I was having this conversation elsewhere um, recently. So this is why it's really fresh for me. I was also mentioning there, and I'd like to share here that it's wonderful to want to be able to offer quote unquote accessible pricing. And I say quote unquote, because accessible can mean, a, you know, a different price point for different folks. My whole thing is that's great, but it's not great if doing so financially sabotages your business or your, or the health of your personal finances. So if you can't do it and still maintain 
financial integrity. And by integrity, I mean just your overall health, both for your business and for yourself, then you, you do no one a service by, by wanting to, by wanting to and doing, you know, these accessible pricing, like you could always have it be a goal for a particular period in the future and work up to that. But don't, don't sabotage your financial health because you want to be in a position so that you can say that you've got these special pricings for that makes what you have to offer more accessible to a broader group of people. Again, you're not doing anybody any good if you're not around. Yes, very true. So how do you respond to people when people say, um, but I get so much pushback or the other person has such a reaction, right? They have an emotional reaction to your fees, which people do, right? And that accessible and reasonable means something different to everyone, right? And one person's price points are expensive or reasonable to all different, you know, it's different for everyone. So you mentioned this at the beginning, you know, that we'll have our own emotional journey to coming up with the pricing and Mm -hmm. setbacks and confusion and grappling with identity and value, but also just where do we want to be, you know, in the marketplace and Mm -hmm. everything you're saying. And then there's the other person's responses. I have my own response that I want to hear what you have to say with how do you deal with that? How do you deal as a small business owner, let's say? Um, or well, a- I, think, I think the pushback is feedback. And so I think the question becomes, do you get that feedback from more than one person? Because my whole thing is, if I hear the same thing from two people that I know don't know one another, then that means I need to pay attention. So if you get that pushback from two people that you are probably 99.9% sure they do not know each other, that means pay attention. And it could mean that either, yeah, the price is off, or it could mean that your communication of the value that someone's going to get at that price point is off. Like it doesn't necessarily mean change the price. It means get curious about why those folks are having the reaction that they're having, which then means you got to ask them. And I think sometimes we shy away from having those really uncomfortable conversations when someone pushes back. We're just like, oh, okay. But we don't necessarily dig in and try to find out and discover what's the real reason why they are pushing back. And if you, ex- if you sit with that discomfort for a little bit of time to get at it, you might discover, ah, uh, you know what? The price is right. I just haven't been doing a really good job of communicating it. Or you need to modify the offer, whatever it may be. Or you do need to change the price, but it, 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 it is an error to simply presume that someone's pushback means that the price is wrong. It could just be that you got to work on your messaging and communication around the value. I love that. I love that. Okay. How often sh- um, should, I mean, how often can we be reevaluating our pricing? Of course, it has to happen if it's not working or, um, you know, if something shifts in the economy maybe, and then we need to look at our pricing and offering business model and shift that. Any thoughts about how often? Yeah. Um, Definitely, if something is not selling or not selling as well as you would like, that's one, one you know, trigger, if you will. I think when you sit down to do your quarterly review, and so this presupposes <laughs> that you indeed do that. Um, so when you sit down to do your quarterly review of, you know, how are things going, that's also a really good time to, you know, check in with your business and with yourself. And then as a part of that quarterly review, I think it's also important to look at what are the progress or what is the progress that you've made on your personal goals and your financial and your business goals, excuse excuse me, because 99% of those goals have a financial component to it. And that revenue, unless you're doing this as a side hustle, that revenue comes from your business. And so you know, when you're doing that and you're evaluating, well, where are we on the goals? Where did I think I would be? Um, And if you're lagging, 
that may mean that you've got to increase your pricing. And, you know, let me just say this, because I think it's really important and I haven't mentioned it yet. And that is people can sometimes confuse the fact that they are selling, that their business is profitable and that their business is cash flow positive, And they will presume that they've got their pricing right. And my whole thing is, the question becomes, did you get the pricing fully right or partially right? So what do I mean by that? If you took any of your personal savings to start your business, to get it through a rough patch, to help take it to the next level, but you haven't replenished that savings, you've only gotten it partially right. If you paused any of your long-term investing and your intent was to only do it for a month, but now several months have passed or maybe even several years Again, you only got it partially right. If you're not paying yourself, if you're not paying yourself consistently, if you're not paying yourself as much as you could, and that is not an intentional decision, then again, you only got it partially right. So do not presume that just because you're selling and you're profitable and you're cash flow positive, don't automatically lean into, oh, I got my pricing right. I don't need this. Maybe you don't. (laughs) but I would suggest you get curious and really find out if you do I love it I love all of those questions you know as as a longer term business owner you want to be paying yourself first paying yourself consistently you want to be contributing to long-term investments you you know if you ever paid some savings into it that needs to be paid back you know all I love this I love this. Um, this is a wonderful beginning. I, I what are, anything else that you want to share that we're missing as far as one or two more strategies that you want to share around pricing? Knowing that I want everyone to go to you to go to your website to take your pricing workshops, which you're offering. I, I'm seeing it every other month, so we'll talk about that. But. W- what what do we what haven't you said that you would love to share? Oh my god! If I can please share one of my big pet peeves. <laughs> Great. Go for it. Um, one of my big pet peeves is the phrase "charge what you're worth." Oh, I was going to ask you about that. Okay, love it. Thank you. Go ahead, please. That drives me crazy, and. You know, I will own the fact that I think part of the reason it drives me crazy is because I'm Black, my heritage is Jamaican-American, and, you know, my ancestral history comes with the fact that there was a price put on people's humanity. So when people say, charge what you're worth, for me... That feels like you're putting a price on my humanity and it drives me crazy. Maybe some people say that and that's not what they mean, but I think then they need to be culturally sensitive and aware of how that lands for, uh, for people. (laughs) And so there's that. And, and I, but connected to that is it's not charge what you're worth and tying that worth to your humanity. It's charge for the value that you are bringing to the table. And again, that value can look very differently depending upon if you're at the budget versus at the premium, right? Because what you offer at those two different endpoints ought to be very, very different. And so what's the value? Like, how are you helping someone do, be, or have something that they don't in the moment that they would if they worked with you, whether again, it's through your product, your service, or your program, and recognizing that not only is the value, whatever your process is that you take someone through to get from point A to point B, but also your education, both formal and informal, your expertise, your particular perspective, your skills, your talents, your gifts, that is what you are charging for. And that I would love for more people to be very explicit about communicating and stop being darn lazy and saying, charge what you're worth and thinking that that covers it all. Mm. So 
I want you to please share where everyone can find you, website, social media, when you're having a next pricing workshop and how you're doing that. And I just really want to honor before you go into that, even just in how you responded to me, Jaquette, it, you know, it allows me and everyone listening to go deeper, right? So again, what phase of life are you in? Um, What are your personal financial house needs? For me, if I was a single woman or I'm not, you know, I have a little family. So Um, What is our whole financial house needing and doing right now? And then how does this one offering in my business, what do I, what are the goals around that? What do I, what would I like it to do? What would I like it to give to the world? Right. Mm -hmm. And and what's working, what's not working, adjusting that, what other offerings are happening. So it's just a much deeper process. And what you're saying is it's, it's, you know, there's no cookie cutter thing here. And right. We can't be comparing ourselves to others, even though we do, but you can't know the ins and outs of all the deeper questions and goals um, and needs and wants of them, you know, as a personal entity and as a business. So thank you. No, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So please share, how can everyone find you? My website is jaquettetimmons.com. I love me some Instagram. So come and hang out with me over on Instagram. (laughs) And just put my name in the search bar and my handle will uh, pop up. But yeah, my website, uh, Instagram, the next uh, pricing Retreat is uh, September 10th. And if this airs after that, or if people hear this after that, you can always just go to the website and go to jacquettetimmons.com forward slash pricing dash masterclass. And we do it the last month of every quarter. The last month of every quarter. Wonderful. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Jaquette, thank you so much. You're welcome. (laughs) You are so very, 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 very welcome. And thank you. So deep. I love it. So thorough. When is your birthday? Are you willing to share that? When's your birthday? When's your birthday? Yeah, it's November, November 28th. I'm a Sagittarius. Okay, okay. We're ending with astrology. My husband would be horrified. He's, he's so not into astrology, but I just, I wanted to know when your birthday was. What, what sign are you? <laughs> she, is she a Capricorn? Is she a Capricorn? <laughs> no, you're fire. You're fire. Nope. I'm a Sag. I'm a Sag through and through. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad, but for me, yeah, I think okay. it's good. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi again. Thank you so much for joining me today. What you heard here is a delicious sample of the loving guidance, heartful inspiration, and practical tools you'll find in my year-long money school, The Art of Money. I hope you found something here to take with you, a lesson, some inspiration, or even just a little grace for yourself and where you are in your own money journey. If you're feeling called to wade deeper here, please pack your financial goals, soul deep aspirations, and grab your favorite person. You can find out more at barrytesler.com.